There is nothing wrong with your internet. Do not attempt to adjust your settings. We are controlling the podcast. We control the squealing and the screams. We can make your heart flutter, your eyes blur from tears, or sharpen your mind to crystal clarity. For the next hour, sit back. We are in control of what you hear. We repeat, there is nothing wrong with your setting. You are about to experience the awe and mystery known as the female mind. You are now entering the Fangirl Zone. We continue exploring and discovering new worlds, new civilizations. Welcome to the Captain's Chair, a podcast on all shows in the Star Trek universe on the Fangirl Zone. I'm Redshirt Dave, and joining me on this mission into the unknown is... I'm Chief Engineer Steve, and today we'll be discussing Episode 4 of Season 3 of Star Trek Discovery. Oh, Steve, let's go through some initial thoughts. Something we discussed off-air is resentment as a sub-theme. Are they going to continue that through this season? I mean, we had a lot of resentment in here in this episode. People on a planet of Trill, Detmer and her resentment. What else? (laughs) Well, there's always... uh, the emperor's resentment too. She resents everything, even a free meal. Yeah, and she liked the wine. Yeah, the wine was good. Boy, I wonder if they're going to be out of place and out of time. I just wonder if they're going to continue that theme throughout. I mean, there was some healing in this episode that we'll get to, right? But are, is it going? To, is I just wonder if there's resentment. I mean, they're going to meet new people all the time. I'm sure when this is a Booker free episode, I resent that. Yes. <laughs> I wonder if he's going to show some resentment when uh, Michael hooks up with him again. Oh, he's going to be back. There, I wonder if uh, the better. Go ahead. Well, yeah, I think that there definitely could be because I don't expect the next episode to go well either. Right. I was just about to say that. I think yeah. the, what's left of the Federation will resent them. Oh, coming absolutely. Back. <laughs> and we saw yeah. something, just a hint of it from the teaser for the yes, next episode. Absolutely. So, yeah, I really <laughs> thought that this episode was really pretty good because it did show the the trauma that not only the crew but adria has gone through as well they kind of the a and b plots kind of mirrored each other which was nice right yeah and it seems like the only ones right now that are kind of over this readjustment period are culber and michael i know yeah and to think culber had to spend an entire season of resentment last yes. season and now he's the one who's cool with everything yeah he's definitely going to be our uh, counselor troy on this ship yeah i guess going so forward yeah well, that's a good role yep <laughs> all right shall we get into episode four sure why not forget me not burnham and adira visit the trill home world while saru's Efforts on the discovery to help the crew reconnect yield surprises. I'd say that is exactly (laughs) what happened. (laughs) Ejecting your personal warp core (laughs) during dinner. (laughs) Oh, that went well. So I did like how it opens the episode when we eventually make it to Trill. He started out with a personal log from Colbert. And uh, as we just said, he spent the last, the entire last season with resentment and feeling out of mind or out of body, out of self. And now he's here for everyone, is it? Everybody else is feeling out of mind or body or self. And certainly, and it's fallen to him that uh, it's he's given the task of checking the physical and mental wellness of the crew. 
You surprised they don't have an app for that? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, even a few hundred years in the service, they could go to their pads and just say, "All right, what's the matter with me?" Yeah. Maybe you need some calming music. Detmer's condition is ending to get a discovery has been afflicted with a serious case of denial. Yeah. Wow. I don't know how to handle that. I mean, especially, I mean, not just denial, but feeding out of place and on time. And just I, as we just said, it, it can only get worse for them. Yeah. And it was great with his little walk around the ship as he's checking people. Yeah. Everybody is just kind of dazed. There's no highs or nothing. And it's like, okay, everybody's kind of forgot that you're all a crew and you've got to count on each other. Yeah, I like some of the looks he got from the, the crewman as he was walking by. It's like these icy stairs. I'm like, why would you give the doctor an icy yeah. stair? <laughs> You're going to need that guy. But he was right. It, there is a double-edged sword of having a ship full of intelligent overtiers, and you don't know how to ask for help. How difficult can that be? <laughs> <laughs> he did uh, offer a scan of a deer or two in a quite relevatory. Her problem is that she has no memories of her, her symbiote's uh, prior hosts. And that's pretty key to where they need to go. Yeah, it is. Her only memory is waking up in an escape pod a year ago. And with that hint from uh, Admiral Tall, they're going to need her to get her memories back. So it's decided they should go to Trill. <laughs> because the only other thing is he can mess around with her hippocampus. Yeah. <laughs> Not <good. laughs> I like the reaction to that. No. no. <laughs> <laughs> How invasive can it be? <laughs> Especially in this, I mean, in the century they came from. And again, don't play with my brain, I suppose. Yep. We didn't hear uh, Saru orders Discovery to make a, a spore jump to the planet, but he didn't say black alert at any time. Right. Did he? Which was weird. Yeah, it was weird. They always do that. Ship yeah. goes dark, black alert. I think it's kind of cool. Yeah. <laughs> now I'm upset. I, I know I'm resentful, Steve. <laughs> and when they get there, they were greeted warmly by Commissioner Voss. And the captain learns that the. Burn decimated Trill's population. Uh oh. Yeah, not enough enough hosts. The first thing I thought was the burn and Michael's search for what happened might come back that it's her fault. I mean, that's my theory. Right. That Burnham is responsible (laughs) for the burn and she created a different timeline that decimated the galaxy. Way to go, Michael. And while Adira prepares for that visit, Saru tasks Stamets with finding a way to allow others to operate the spore drive. Oh, that went well, too. Oh, tell me about it. Good grief. He's been icy before. I mean, he's short. He could be short. Yes. And when Tilly, you can tell Tilly's walking on, uh, I don't know, tenter hooks, I guess. Every time she's around, she has to work with a guy. Right. And she keeps giving him those furtive looks like, oh, what am I going to say or do is going to set this guy off. Right. Yeah. She's walking on eggshell. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I like that better than tenter hooks. <laughs> that's, that's too 19th century. <laughs> <laughs> that is way beyond boomer talk. So he rejects anything that she's come up with, including dark matter. Like, why not? What do you get to lose? I mean, right. just research the math anyway. And recognizing a parallel between Burnham's time alone in the 32nd century and Adira's own journey, Culber suggests that Michael be the one to accompany Adira to the surface. What would we do without Culber? I know. <laughs> it's got all these great ideas. Yeah, that was we a need great to, call. Yeah, we need to uh, move the ball forward. And first, Michael was like, eh, I don't know. You've been kind of uh, losing time with yourself, too. And sorry, the doctor is over- overruling you, Michael. Right. Possibility. Wise. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Usually, I, I, it was a, eh, maybe that was a little strange, because she's usually pretty intuitive also. Right. Especially, as the doctor observed, she takes the responsibility of the galaxy right. <laughs> on herself. So shouldn't she be the one? And I like the reaction now. She's like, ah, you're right. <laughs> Me and the galaxy, it's my job. 
Yeah. <laughs> and that was anyway. kind of Adira's reaction, too, when she found out that Michael was going down with her. <laughs> you know, I can do it on myself. Yeah. And then yeah. she decides, well, that's not quite a great idea. Maybe I will go with you. <laughs> yeah, and she runs to after her in the hallway. That was kind of funny. When they get there, Guardian Z informs Discovery's first officer, we know who that is, that their post-burn society lacks enough viable hosts who are capable of joining. And again, I got a flash of my theory where it might be Burnham's fault. Leader Pav resists both Voss's request to forcefully remove Adira's symbiote and Z's plea that non-trill hosts could be their future, ultimately deciding that Burnham and Adira must leave immediately. <laughs> Do you have a problem with that, Steve? I mean, they know they're in trouble. Their society's in trouble. They lost a lot of people. And it's like, no, we're not going to explore this because what? Yeah, (laughs) that was a bit much. You get a little vibe there that they're kind of uh, haven't progressed enough to even consider the fact that that might be a possibility. Yeah, it seems that they're puritanical or purist. I mean, they're like purists in their own society. They can't move behind it despite the fact that it's dying. Right. Hmm. Anyway, uh, Boss's anger (laughs) prompts him to attempt to violently capture Adair, but Burnham subdues the attackers and finds an ally in Z. That was awesome. Yes. (laughs) She gets, she's like, yeah, I don't have time for this. Zaps those two guys, punches him in the stomach and zaps the two other guys. And she's like, they'll be all right. Poor uh, Adira standing like, like, wow, what did you just do? Yeah. <laughs> it kind of reminded me of Agent Scully's takedown. Uh, it was one of the episodes of the re- the Return X-Files series where she just flipped some guy, put him down, and took away his gun all in one motion. He handed it to Fox Mulder, and he's like, oh, I guess that was nice. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, back to Z. He sees Adira as a hope to save their population and strikes out from his people and, and takes them to the sacred caves, which is usually the option of the reaction. They're usually the protectors of a religion form the highest wall that you have to scale. And in this case, it was the governmental types, and he was more forgiving. Right. More <laughs> open to change. And yeah, yeah, that was a little surprising to me, too. What a reversal of what we're used to. Yeah. Anyway, timidly, uh, Adira walks into the milky white pools of the cave, entering a state of communion. But as the rest of the true leadership storm the premises, they, she begins to jerk violently, eventually pulled underneath the murky surface, and her eyes flash. You know, I've been possessed. Yes. <laughs> Trill and human are shocked, and Z has Michael immediately a jump into action, entering communion herself, hoping to get a bear back. It's a good thing that uh, Michael went on that trip. She didn't want to. Like, come on, girl. Yeah. You're action Michael personified. He saves the day on Trill, that's for sure. For sure. But we go back up to the Discovery, and Culber presents Saru with the evidence that the crew's stress levels are off the charts. Kind of like ours are right now. (laughs) I'm feeling a little better. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Much better. As he did when Captain Lorca was captured by the Klingons in Choose Your Pain, Saru consults Discovery's computer for answers with an unexpected result. After an image of the sphere from Season 2 briefly flashes across the display, the computer's tone and demeanor change completely. Yeah, what a personality change. I like the relaxed (laughs) conversational style. Oh, yeah. And, of course, observant fans will recognize the voice of actor Annabelle Wallace, who last took on the role of Discovery's computer in the short trek Calypso. Could there be a connection? 
I think so. Yeah. <laughs> Heating the computers advised Saru hosts a dinner party for the senior staff and bridge crew. Nostalgic for his family's harvest meals on Kaminar, the captain sees this as an opportunity to create a new ritual for his Starfleet family. He even tries to turn the eye each gave to commit to the jump to the future last season into a communal prayer. Like many a Thanksgiving meal, things start off pleasantly enough only to descend into the chaos of accusations, recriminations, and swearing. And it all started with Giorgio's <laughs> lighting things up with a haiku. Reminds me of some of the political discussions that went on in, <laughs> at our Thanksgiving meal during the last four years. That's <laughs> as close as I'll get to it on this show. <laughs> but sometimes you say the wrong word and boom. Yeah. Until Detmer gets put on the spot. Already acting distance, she puts a dark pall over the dinner by laughing over Stamets' blood all over sickbay. She was trying so hard to get that haiku right. Oh man, uh, where are you? I was. Where are you going with this, lady? Yeah, I know. <laughs> <laughs> no, wait, I got it. No, wait, it's getting worse. <laughs> yeah, of course that prompts an argument between the two as they contest who is more important to the ship. God. Yeah, we get two very macho individuals going head to head, and that brings the mill to an abrupt end with the crew storming off. Well, that uh, didn't work, Saru. But Giorgio was enjoyed the wine. <laughs> <laughs> that was probably the favorite part of the meal for her yeah. when everyone storms off. Yes, now we're getting this is yeah, more like she it. She definitely <laughs> lit the fire and and knew it was going to blow up. Even so her, Culver her, her, tried to let everybody know it doesn't have to be perfect because he screwed his up right after yeah. Giorgio. And you would think that that would kind of let break the ice a little bit saying, oh, OK, well, if I screw up, it's no big deal. But no, that didn't quite work out that way. <laughs> now, do you think we're going to see more uh, Giorgio and Saru conflict? Oh, absolutely. That's about as best as she can behave. Yes. <laughs> but uh, they're having a Thanksgiving meal, and he was pretty much her food. Yes. <laughs> Back in the other <laughs> timeline or dimension. I'm surprised. I, I, I uh, They have to go back to that yeah. somehow. He's going to have to say to her, stop looking at me like I'm your dinner. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so anyway, we uh, make a return when the memories return. And um, Michael does find Adira at the bottom of the pool, which is an indescribable feat of cinematography. You know what I like the best about that, Steve, is when they uh, reverse the, the look at uh, Michael. Instead of lying in the water face up, she was suddenly looked upside down. Right. But she drop, drops up, which is down into yes. the water. <laughs> that was cool. Yes. It's very psychedelic, too. <laughs> she gets down the bottom, and they seem trapped down there. I mean, it was cool down there, but they're surrounded by these threads that keep reaching out to Adira. And Michael deduces that Adira's repressed memories are trying to reach out. Come on, 16. What is she, 15 or 16? 16. Yeah, come on, 16. Get it together. <laughs> <laughs> In a bunch. <laughs> yeah, yeah, sorry. Through her encouragement, Adira is able to literally embrace the past and connect it with the threads and manifest their memories from them. See, that's all it took. Yeah. And these memories are primarily linked to Gray, played by Ian Alexander, Adira's trill boyfriend. Guess who that was? That was Buck from the OA. Yes. <laughs> I miss the OA. It's good to see Buck. I'm like, oh, wait, I know that guy. The two had connected as orphans and were on a ship searching for Federation headquarters when Gray received the Tal symbiont currently residing in Adira. So, hmm, Donna, I want to know about this generational ship right. and why. 
Yeah. And where did it come from and who was on it? Yes. Wonderful if we'll get answers to that. I mean, if they're searching for the Federation, there must be some hope from somebody. It's funny how the Federation can't make itself more known. Anyway, the relationship is intimate and endearing, even when the Deers worries over losing their partner to their host. Yeah, some more resentment, Steve. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but Gray is able to soothe them with words and cello music. That's the way I do it. Oh, One of the many skills he picked up in a transplant. But it, his tenure is prematurely cut short when the ship gets rocked and Gray receives a, a life-threatening piece of shrapnel. You know what? When I saw that thing appearing in the window, right in the background, I'm like, is that some type of smoke? It's a smoke monster from Lost. Oh, of course. <laughs> or oily substance. But I, seeing it a second time, it's like, okay, it's just a big space rock. But I, I can't understand how a space rock could hit a, a ship in the uh, 32nd century. Sorry. Yeah, that <laughs> doesn't quite add up either. <laughs> oh, what, what is everybody asleep, including the computer? Unfortunately, he's certain to die in the symbiote with him. Thinking quickly, Adira decides to take on Tal to survive, even if uh, her partner cannot. As she cradles a dying gray in her past, Michael does the same in her present as Adira's real identity becomes crystal clear. A group of individuals suddenly enter, all representing Tal's previous hosts, including Sena Tal, the Starfleet officer whose lost communication is what Discovery hopes to be pinned on, even Gray. So that reminded me of the, the movie Ghost at the right. ending. Yeah. When he's standing there and he's looking at uh, his two friends and all of a sudden all the souls of the people that shared his love came and grouped around him. But this time I didn't cry. <laughs> <laughs> they officially welcome Adira into the circle, finally integrating host in symbiote. Adira and Michael return to the surface of the pool, drenched but enlightened. Well, I'm glad they threw some towels around her. I thought yes. there would be some significance to the towels. Like, here's the, here's the holy towel. Yeah. <laughs> but they gave one to Michael, too, and Michael's just the rescuer, so who knows. Adira can now easily list off the repertoire of hosts, which calms down all the trail leaders. Yeah. I don't know what those weapons were supposed to do, but I, I wouldn't want to find out. I'm, I'm sure they have some type of nasty sting. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Walking back their hostility, they offer to mentor Adira as they continue on their path to full integration. But Adira courteously declines, feeling their place is on Discovery. It's now able to serve as their own representative of the Trill. Yeah, that was diplomatic. At first I thought, uh, yeah. maybe a week or something, but you know, okay. And there's even an extra dose of hope as the Trill hint to Michael that they would be able to tackle their own form of integration should the Federation ever return. Yes, that was fist pumping. Yes. <laughs> Michael has earned another group possibly yep. to return to the Federation. Sure you don't want to be Captain yeah. Michael? <laughs> and back on the ship, people are sobering up and having some regrets over the dinner disaster. Now, of course, Saru reveals that he has some Captain Pike envy over <laughs> Christopher's <laughs> easy way with the crew. Pike envy. Yes. <laughs> but Tilly reminds the Kelpian captain that he has his own way of leadership. Stamets returns to apologize, even deciding to reopen the alternative energy source discussion. Yay. <laughs> now, Detmer, for her part, has also been grounded by the argument, fully admitting to Colbert that she needs some help. Kind of also, surprised yay. that happened, yes. <laughs> <laughs> Since they introduced dark matter, I wonder if there'll be some type of interdimensional time travel properties related to that where they can fix the timeline, if it needs fixing, that is. Right. Yeah, and how would you know? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> yeah. I mean, they might, when they introduce dark matter to the uh, 
four drive. It may take them to places they didn't expect. Exactly. <laughs> oh, come on. Make a note of that. Then the computer directs all available crew to the shuttle bay for a surprise. And there the crew are watching a holographic projection of the 1924 Buster Keaton silent film Sherlock Jr. Of course it's Sherlock. Yes. And of course, the crew laughs and Linus hands the aloof Giorgio a box of popcorn. They make the oddest, I mean, the oddest couple, those two. Yes. <laughs> He's like the only one. <laughs> she doesn't mind him. He, does, he doesn't care about her snootiness. And <laughs> while well, he even hesitated in handing her the popcorn, so it was like, Don't bite me. <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> and we do see Detmer and Stamets silently apologize and embrace. Good. And Dr. Culber is impressed with Saru's therapy on the crew, but there is still work to be done. Oh, yes, yeah. there is. <laughs> you can only get so much from uh, early 20th century humor. Yeah. Now, Saru theorizes that the absence of the need to protect itself, the sphere data is now trying to protect crew. Hmm, another symbiote. Yeah, <laughs> that they're going to have to deal with all the time. Hey. And that that yep. could turn out real interesting in the coming seasons as we finally start to see the true personality of the sphere data. Yeah. It coming to where it doesn't agree with the captain's orders. Right. Not only does it have a. I'm not doing that. I'm doing this. Yeah, Yeah, I wouldn't advise that. Yeah. (laughs) And I'm not doing it. So uh, that means that uh, Saru might lose some of the efficacy of his captaincy and might give Giorgio an end to uh, displace him. She calls herself Emperor and she made herself an admiral in the last episode when she put on a uniform. Yep. So using the algorithm from Sienna's memories, Adira calculates the coordinates for the Federation headquarters. And when she gives them to Burnham, the coordinates of the Federation home planet, Burnham looks at them and clearly recognizes them. Hmm. 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 And she begins to form a question, but Adira cuts her off by emphasizing that they'll get her where she needs to go. Vulcan? Kronos? Uh... Kronos. <laughs> I would say, if she only raised one eyebrow, that would have been awesome. Yes. And I would have said, well, they're going to Vulcan. Yep. <laughs> so, yeah, this is very interesting that you think Burnham is seeing that the path that Senna is sending them is not the direct route. Yeah. And so there must be something in that direct route that isn't quite what it used to be. It could be that, ironically, they have to embrace the people that initially rejected them, like the uh, Klingons or the Romulans. It would be interesting to see that that's where the Federation found their new home. Right. (laughs) (laughs) So Adira does not reveal that, for reasons unknown, that she can still see and communicate with Grey. This is going to be interesting to see how this plays out. Yeah, she doesn't want to give up her spoilers. Yeah, will the crew (laughs) eventually be able to see Grey, or is this strictly going to be an Adira thing? I think it's going to be an Adira thing. Well, that's my thought anyway. Yeah. Now, Adira, having picked up the cello now that she's connected with Tall, communes briefly with what can be easily described as Grey's ghost. Grey's ghost. Yeah. (laughs) Grey 
playfully criticizes Adira's technique and asks why she didn't tell Michael he was there. They're both confused as to how this is even possible and agree not to mention it just yet. Continuing practicing Adira's bowing. He's very play. You need bow work. Yeah. <laughs> My, I need bow work. <laughs> I'm using your bow work, buddy. Yeah. <laughs> I am you. Now what's going on? Uh, yeah. <laughs> Ooh, practice. I so let him cuddle more. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> this episode, uh, with a little Easter egg and boomer talk, kind of teasing my tinfoil hat theories already and expanding on them, especially the part about having to deal with your former enemies. And perhaps that's where the Federation found solace, maybe in the Star Empire or Klingon space. That would be so right. weird. <laughs> that would be weird. <laughs> yep. This episode features the first appearance of the Trill homeworld and the caves of Makala since Equilibrium. Showrunner Michelle Paradise promised that this season would delve into Trill mythology, and this episode certainly dove right in. Yes, literally, even upside down. Writers Alan McElroy, Chris Silvestri, and Anthony Marinville clearly did their homework as Forget Me Not Honored and meshed with the Trill Dax episodes from Star Trek at Deep Space Nine, including creating a curious twist on the taboo of the reassociation with Adira, keeping her continued visions of Grey on the down low. I miss Dax. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we need more Dax. Adira's confusion over the symbiote's influence on their talents is reminiscent of Esri Dax's initial struggles on Deep Space Nine, and the Niners surely enjoy hearing a passing mention of Bajoran Hasperat. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's the only thing Adira can remember is how to make yeah. Hasperat. <laughs> <laughs> That's helpful. The last time I can remember a human bonding with a trill was when Riker did so in the Next Generation episode, The Host, and that didn't go very very well. No. And that was probably one of the few episodes where you kind of like the person that Crusher was crushing on. <laughs> <laughs> Crusher is crushing on. Oh, uh, the 32nd Central Medical Drones on Adira's g generation ship were capable of complicated surgery and reminiscent of Star Wars Minerive droids, but they couldn't save Gray? Yeah. that. Huh? I know. <laughs> I mean, okay. I don't yeah, know. Yeah, just, that's uh, a hand wave. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah, okay. Before Adira, Tal had six hosts, Kasha, Jovar, Madela, Kara, Senna, and Gray. In addition to Admiral Senna Tal, two previous Tal hosts were Starfleet officer. One also wore the 32nd century Starfleet badge. I saw that. And one, a captain wore a uniform dating back to as far as the era of Picard. What do you derive from that city, do you think? Why the host in Starfleet? Well... You think there's anything to it, or it's just fun? I kind of think there might be something to that. You think this host is, like, deliberately steering the host? I mean, the symbiote steering hosts to the future or fixing their past? I can't quite uh, put it together in words yet. Yeah, the, the, I, I definitely the, think that they're steering Adira in a certain direction. And, yeah, with two of the, two of the six hosts definitely being Starfleet, mm. it's, at least with this symbiote, it believes in the Starfleet creed, at least. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it I wonder surprise me if we see Dax again. That'd be awesome. Yes. <laughs> I uh, I wonder if the symbiote had some foreknowledge of what's going to happen, of what happened to the uh, the Federation. 
Let me think. Some precognition. I don't know. Don't ask me how. I don't know. But if uh, if the Federation is that important to the symbiote, did, did the symbiote have uh, some foreknowledge of uh, the galaxy's fate? I wonder. Send us your feedback and theories. <laughs> yes, absolutely. And I do think that, yeah, with everything, with that much knowledge, basically going all the way back to the 32nd century, Tall's going to be a wealth of knowledge yeah. to help the discovery. So it's going to be interesting, especially with Adira's sharp mind as it is. Mm. They could really do some great things, I think, not only with getting the technology caught up, but also putting the Federation back together. Right. So, uh, despite the inclusion of Dax and its host in, in Star Trek D Space Nine's Corcass and Odan being one of the more interesting Dr. Crusher love interests on Star Trek The Next Generation, we have never had a trill symbiote host as a protagonist in the Trekverse. We do now. Oh, yeah, we do. <laughs> <laughs> also in this episode, the sphere data retrieved during the Anobal for Sharon begins to incorporate itself into the Discovery's computer, and it begins to show the beginning of a personality that will eventually become Zora, as seen in Star Trek Short Trek's episode Calypso. Interesting. It's oh, yeah. amazing how, how they were able to uh, put all these plot threads together and tease them early on. I know. That was, <laughs> that's amazing. Yeah. I they must have back and watched Calypso last night. Oh, you did? Yes. And uh, yeah, poor Zora was by herself for a thousand years and sure <laughs> didn't want to let go of <laughs> that guy. That's like uh, the girl who waited from Doctor Who. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, during the initial emergent, both Annabelle Wallace and Julianne Grossman provided the voice of the computer. I like Annabelle Wallace. Michael has built a database of connected clues to the burn, and I think it's going to find out it's her, <laughs> which we'll probably see more later in this season. And I, I thought, I wrote a note right after that, she may not like what she sees. Yeah. That's just me. Yeah, it's possible. Uh, one last uh, Easter egg. So Linus is a fan of Drew Beetle Pie, and I... I couldn't help but thinking that he's always sniffing something, Linus as in sinus. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and, of course, Pilly, uh, Tilly had to tell us that she won't puked on a Telluride ambassador at Thanksgiving. Good story. Yeah. I would have laughed, but uh, a few of the people at the table were like, ew, <laughs> why? Who cares? Exactly. Well, we do have some feedback this week. As always, our friend Fred from the Netherlands has provided some feedback. Right. So let's take a listen. Hello, Steve and Dave. This is Fred from the Netherlands with some feedback for Star Trek Discovery Season 3, Episode 4. It's a pity that we lost the interaction between Michael and Book here in this episode and I really hope that will come back sometime. I found a disagreement that happened at the table, at uh, Saru's dinner table, a little bit over the top. Okay, that two people quarrel but that everybody starts to quarrel is not impossible but I think quite unlikely in that manner. So it was okay but it felt a little bit unrealistic. Still not knowing what is really happening to Detmer she seems quite off and I think some stuff will come back especially if she starts talking to Dr. Kolber or was she only story-wise like this because she could be the catalyzer for this dinner table explosion I did like the whole Trill story and the revelation that symbionts also could 
take a place in a non-trail body. Only a little strange that in all these centuries that was never discovered before. The whole arriving on trail and the strictness they had there reminded me a little bit of the Next Generation episode Justice, season 1 episode 8, where Wesley Crusher walked on the grass on some planet and got into big, big trouble just because of that. Very brave of the makers of this Star Trek to use trans and non-binary actors. Really, really good. I found the cinematography, as almost always in Star Trek Discovery, really amazing. Very, very nice. Especially also this symbiont cave with these milky ponds. I love a lot of Canadian series and it was nice to see some Canadian actors here. For instance, Karen Robinson, who played the trail leader, Pav. I know her as Mildred Clark, the mother of Trudy Clark in Frankie Drake Mysteries. A 1920s female-driven detective story. Probably something that's not on your scope. I hope you will survive your elections over there on the other side of the big pond. When I record this, it is Friday, 6 o'clock in the evening here in Europe. So that will mean midday Eastern time in the US and still not clear who won the elections. I will not go into details, but as a foreigner, I'm looking at this whole process with big amazement. Greetings, all the best, Fred from the Netherlands. Well, thanks very much, Fred. Yeah, Fred, what, is your, what does your symbiote have to say about that? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Yeah, I think we both are a little disappointed that Book wasn't in this episode, that's for sure. Yeah, yeah. We definitely need Book back. I would prefer he be, be there when they get to uh, Federation headquarters, that's for sure. Yeah, what if the Federation's going to have a problem with Book? And uh, Michael, Michael will have to... Uh, Choose between him and the Federation. Oh, t- that wouldn't surprise me a bit. Little tinfoil hat theory. And I really don't think that the reactions at the dinner table were quite over the top. I know things have really been stressful over here with the election going <laughs> on and uh, our uh, COVID numbers skyrocketing. So, yeah, I can see people that are just really on the edge and it wouldn't take much of anything to set them off. So... It yeah. seems like all you had to do is get on Twitter or Facebook the last couple of days and see that. I mean, yes, our followers our, are spewing vile over all over the place, and so we're one big dysfunctional family dinner over here. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, uh, we did discuss Detmer, and maybe it's the possibility that she feels like she failed everybody by. Not keeping the discovery from crashing, you know, because that's a big responsibility. So, and it could be something else. Could be. And yeah, the cinematography on Trill was really great. I loved the flying fish. That was awesome. <laughs> and the pools were great. That that was really well done. Perhaps we'll revisit them again. Yeah, I certainly hope so. Well, once again, Fred, we appreciate your feedback. Sounds like you're staying healthy, which is good. And we do now have a new president, possibly. <laughs> <laughs> so once again, Fred, thanks. And we also have some feedback from Jazz, so let's hear what she thinks about this episode. 
Hello, this is Jazz with my review of Season 3, Episode 4. I was actually very impressed with the actress Blue Del Barrio, I believe. She played Adira, and she was the first human trill, and I thought that her acting in this episode was very impressive. She showed a wide range of emotions and conveyed the stress that she was feeling throughout the episode and in her flashbacks. I was also impressed with uh, how well Michael took care of Adira while she was there. She was her advocate and her protector, which I thought was very good. When they first found the Trill planet, they seemed way too excited in order to help a Trill. So at first I thought that maybe they didn't have any left, or rather they didn't have any symbionts left. And I didn't think they were probably going to let her go if that was the case, or at least the symbiont. And then later, while watching the episode, that sort of panned out since they talked about separating the two with no regard to Adira at all, to which I was very pleased that Michael was there. And you could tell that she was stressed about it since she showed some tears after she was told to leave the planet. And the troll leader agreed with the, in my opinion, racist guy in the yellow outfit who reminded me of their viewpoints reminded me of Quakers who were very set in their ways as well and they wound up dying off. So there's something to be said for being flexible. So I thought that the Hugh Colbert or Colbert person, the medical dude, he didn't want to go probably because he had his own trauma about being dead and wanted to keep an, an eye on his recovering partner who was evidently very stubborn as a patient. And I uh, was glad that Michael did go, since she probably had more defensive skills that were in uh, very good use. I thought during the episode, Paul Stamets, who played the main engineer connected to the spore drive, was actually very dismissive to Sylvia Tilly and said, don't waste my time. And I thought he reminded me of Tig in his uh, sarcastic retort. I thought that was just a bit over the top and he was, and uh, probably wouldn't surprise me any if he had took in, taken credit for something that Tilly had come up with if he was like that way all the time. But I don't think he normally is, so maybe he was having an off day. So the medical person, Hugh, was going around checking everybody's vitals and everybody was physically fine, but the stress was off the chart. And if they were mice, they would be nibbling off their own tails. And Saru was like, well, my tail, and I appreciate your concern. <laughs> I like that. I didn't even know he had a tail. I did, however, learn that he wore hoof large platform boots when he had to have his feet showing in the scenes because I watched a few behind the scenes segments and evidently the actress who plays Tilly was always very concerned that he's going to break his neck because he's so tall and, and he's on a precarious hooves and that would stress me out too. So I was pleased later on to find out that the engineer Paul later after they had the dinner, which was a good faith effort to bring everybody together, and it just went horribly wrong. I did think it was good later on when they came back after they'd all blown their stacks, so to speak, that he came back and apologized in front of the captain, who was Saru, and said essentially that all of his success was because he had gotten help from Tilly, and Sylvia was actually had a very good idea about dark matter, and they should continue to discuss it, and, and he shouldn't have been so dismissive about her ideas. So now I like him a little bit more, because he admitted he had 
faults and he apologized so he gets high marks for that not everybody can do that one of the things i liked about the troll world was that they had flying fish and they were really flying fish because he hopped twice out of the water and then he flew away so i thought that was very clever i'm sure it was cgi but it was still cool i thought it was very interesting that the computer pulsed red a couple of times and then told him that he ought to have a dinner and have a comedy show that everybody could enjoy for buster keaton and then it went back to a, a regular sounding voice it wasn't major barrett though as the as the voice so i was kind of disappointed by that but what can you do but it was still a good voice just not one i recognized and i could tell the tone and personality had changed when that response was given let's see michael went into the pool to get adira out of her vision quest which reminded me the ones that they used to have on voyager which were native american vision quests and needed to be guided back i appreciated getting to know adira and her boyfriend and i thought the transport was a clever way of transferring the symbiote from one person to another in the middle of all that i loved seeing tasha yar in a cbs commercial because you don't see her that often think it was an alternate reality because of the outfit but it was still cool to see her i loved it when they when adira got to meet her five symbionts and her pool i guess and her boyfriend as well and they all accepted her and she was able to state all five names when she got out and i thought it was a powerful message for her to face her fears and i thought it was interesting that even though they didn't know the results the racist guy in the yellow outfit or at least that was my impression was suddenly very sympathetic and gave towels and and once they gave all their names they were very apologetic which i gave them credit for and they apologized and were shocked that it could work and that gave them hope for their entire race so that's also a plus and maybe when they get the federation back again together again they will possibly rejoin i was not clear whether trill was actually part of the federation originally or not even though dax was part of the ds9 crew so i loved all of those things i liked the happy endings at the end where everybody laughed and and had lots of hugs and i liked the idea about the ship trying to protect it or protect everybody else as well as having somebody who truly loved you being literally part of you now because you could totally feel the love sort of like when you have deanna troy they could feel the love of the mother and a daughter if they're both beta z so i was overall very impressed with everything and I will talk to you later. Once again, this is Jazz. Thanks. Well, thank you, Jazz, for a wonderful uh, feedback. <laughs> yeah, we were. I think we both agreed that we were very impressed with Blue Diario in this episode. She really did have quite a bit of range for a 16-year-old. Yeah. Well, she's not 16. Uh, her character is <laughs> 16. I mean, she's early 20s, though. It's not like she's an experienced actress. Actress. This is her first gig, so you got to be impressed. <laughs> yeah, well done, I think. Yeah, and it was good to see Stamets apologize for his attitude toward Tilly when she brought up the dark matter interface. And normally, Stamets is that way once he gets to where he respects somebody. I remember early on, he would ride Tilly to no end until he finally got to the point where he respected her, and then he treats her completely different. So that's just kind of Stamets. Yeah. <laughs> Unfortunately. Yeah. He can be a bit of a jerk sometimes. Yeah, no wonder Culber loves him so much. Yeah. What? <laughs> and yeah, the hoof boots that uh, Saru has to wear <laughs> definitely are uh, something to behold when you catch a glimpse of them. I mean, they they are just outrageous. I mean, they, they're worse than the 70 
the platform shoes. <laughs> Sage, it's, uh, Shades of Saturday Night Fever. There's one character had that gigantic platform shoes. Right. <laughs> and a nice call on the um, similarity with what Adira went through and the uh, Voyager Vision Quest. I think I agree with that comment that, yeah, they were very similar. Nice. I hadn't thought of that, so that was really nice to hear you mention that. Well, once again, Jazz, Fred, we appreciate your feedback and looking forward to hearing from you next week. <laughs> and we'd love to hear your thoughts on each and every episode this season and looking forward to interacting on social media with all the great fans. How can the fans interact with us, Dave? They can go to www.fangirlzone.com and click on the contact link where you find several ways to contact us via email or through social media on Twitter. He's at Sawyer Steve and I'm at the real ID Dave. Please review and rate us on iTunes and all other platforms you're listening to us on as good ratings and reviews help other fans of the show find us as there are a lot of Star Trek Discovery podcasts out there. Tell your friends and we do hope you're enjoying our podcast and don't forget to check out the other great Fangirl Zone podcasts. The fifth episode, already number five, is on November 12th. This is amazing, Steve. And it's titled Die Trying. So until then, remember. This is Chief Engineer Steve. A year ago, you woke up with no memories, and I woke up with no past. And this is Redshirt Dave. If you were worried about me and my reaction to the election, well, I just have to say my tail and I appreciate your concern. 